0: If you have your Bible this morning, please turn to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3. If you need a Bible and don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles available for you, and you're welcome to uh, grab those on the tables and take them with you. uh, As you turn to to Colossians 3, I I know last week we talked about sex, and we talked also about Jason... uh, violently hurting a small dog. And uh, so if you missed last week, you may want to pick up the recording of that. And um, I know I had a lot of your attentions last week. I don't think I've ever seen people so stiff during a sermon before. I mean, we were talking about that and people just sat there and they were wide eyed because they didn't want to give any, any indication that they had a problem. So um, not many people talked to me afterwards either. So um, anyway, I just want to make it clear though, if anyone still wants to talk to me, I know I gave you the three hour limit, but um, I know if, if anybody 's still struggling um, with with sexual sin of any kind or or, or just anything like that and want to talk I want to make myself available to you um, please come talk to me and and I want to walk with you through that in a in a very um, you know private and and helpful and scriptural way so that, that we can get our eyes on jesus and, and continue on now about the dog um I, I, many of you have probably thought well, i wonder if jason came across that vicious dog this week on his run and i got to tell you this week i was out running i'm running and as i'm running i'm thinking about this dog i mean i'm coming up to its corner and I, I remember my plan i'm gonna grab that thing i'm gonna do the discus whip around and then i'm gonna throw that dog against a tree and he's gonna die that's how it's gonna go Um, and, and, and so as I'm going, I, I round that house and I don't see him, but then I look off down the road and I'm like, that's tumor. That's the dog that I've named tumor that, and so I'm looking, I'm squinting. And then I realize I don't have my glasses on. And as I got a little closer, I realized it was a cat. So, uh, so I, I tell you, cats may be worse than tumor because cats, they, they can take you down any uh, the smaller they get, the worse they are. It's just. Uh, so anyway no 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 violent acts happened against animals this week just a report so anyway we're in colossians chapter 3 and we've been seeing how the lord has given us his gospel we always talk about jesus and what he's done by the cross but um also how that affects our life last week we talked about putting to death these things cannot exist uh, exist anymore and uh, not only did i um uh, this last week, look out for dogs, but I had other things going on in my life. One thing that I did this week is, um, my car had severely bald tires. So I took my car over to the, the Wood Brothers tire and muffler shop and, uh, Mr. Ronald put on some, some really great tires on, on my vehicle. And, uh, I went out there and there's actually tread on my tires, which is amazing. Cause I had people coming up to me and they'd be like, Hey, um, I just saw your car and I don't think your wife should be driving that at all. Um, there's, there's no tread on them tires. So I finally took it in. Ronald looked at it and said, Yeah, we, we gotta get tires on this car. So he put tires. Now, out there on my car, I got, I got new treaded tires. Now, what would have happened this morning had Ronald gone to all that work and put, New tires on there that are safe, that are good. They're they're smooth. They're they've got a long life on them. New tires, but but Ronald Wood comes pulling into the parking lot here at church this morning after having put on new tires onto Jason Hudson's car. He comes pulling into the lot and he he drives by my car and he sees on my car, looks at those tires, and I've somehow gone over to the bin that's at the the, the shop over there and dug out my old tires. And I took those bald tires and slapped them on my car so that when Ronald drives into church this morning, he looks at my car and says, what in the world is Jason Hudson doing with the bald tires on his car again? And I might come up with some excuse. He might come up to me and say, why Why'd you go back and put old bald tires on your car? And I might make up some excuse like, well, you know, the race cars do it. F1, they've got those slick tires, right? They must go faster with those. I might come up with some excuse, but all of us, we're wise enough to know that if, if I've got new tires on a car, there's no reason to go put the old tires back on the car. They're useless. They're futile. They won't help you. I mean, you'll roll for a little while, but sooner or later, there's going to be disaster. There's going to be harm. There's going to be crisis. It might actually even cause death. So even when it comes to car tires, we understand that when there's something new and it's good, you don't go back to the old. And now in this passage that we're talking about, when when Jesus has done something in us and he's given us a new heart. In fact, the scripture today will say we have a new self, a new man. The old man is done. We don't go back to the old man. We don't go back to the old self and live in its ways. We are a new creature. Okay, and so that's what he's going to talk to us. Last week, he talked about putting to death these sins. And we talked about sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. And we know that Jesus is going to come back and destroy enemies because they're sinful on account of those things. But he goes on and we pick up the the chapter in verse seven. He says this. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, Wrath malice slander and obscene talk from your mouth so here he says not only do you have all those sins that we talked about last week but there's all these other things you've got to put them away and a lot of it has to do with our attitudes and the way we treat other people in our speech So he says, if you've got a new heart, a new mind, a new body, you've got to have new attitudes. You've got to have new emotions. You've got to have a new way of thinking. You've got to have new actions. You put away that old stuff, and now you've got new stuff. So let's talk about some of this old stuff. You must be done with these things. And he says anger. And then he says wrath. And let me tell you, I went and I looked up in the Greek those words. You know what the word for anger means? It told me it means wrath. And then I went up and I looked at the word wrath in the Greek and looked up what the word wrath means. You know what it means? Anger. Okay, they're they're saying these things are not good. Now, this anger is one that comes out where you are just mean. There's no love in that. And wrath is one where you come against somebody and and you're unjustly judging somebody. You're coming in a way where you're bringing wrath. Now, sometimes God got angry and he will bring his wrath, but he does so in a holy and a righteous way. This is one whereby out of our sinful nature, we are coming unjustly and with all out spite towards other people and things. And then it says malice. The root of that is just maliciousness, that we wouldn't be malicious towards one another. And 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 then slander. Slander is taking somebody and just giving them a bad name. Maybe they did something, but you tag that something and you create their the entire environment and and way to see that person as bad. You you take their good name and you slander it. I mean, I don't want to have anybody take the name Hudson and slander it, right? And none of us want our name slandered. And we are not to do that towards anybody else, to take their name. And whether it's by gossip, which we've been talking about lately, or whether it's just by telling a, a, a lie about them. Or to, to put them up, to make our to put them down, to make ourselves look better, whatever it is, we are not to slander people, We're not to be malicious, we're not to have wrath, we're not to be anger. And we're not to have obscene talk that's coming out of our mouth. Dirty talk. Potty talk, as we tell the kids. It says it says not to do it. And one of the reasons why is because when we do that, we dishonor God. We might dishonor our family. We might dishonor this vessel that Jesus has now made new. And suddenly, instead of a mouth that's supposed to be spouting the goodness of God, our mouth looks more like a toilet than it does. A mouth that God's to be using as a vessel. So God says, I don't want your life to look like that. That was that was the old man. You got to rid of those things. You're a new man now. And he he talks about this. Not only is it supposed to be, excuse me, those things that you put away, but in verse nine, do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self, the old man, the old you. With its Practices. So when Christ did that, those things were to be done. It wasn't as if you said, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Now I have my ticket to go to life everlasting. But in this life, I'm going to continue on with the way I was. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be wrathful. I'm going to be sexually immoral. I'm going to continue on with the sins that existed in me. But if Christ has done something in you, you're no longer that person. In the book of Romans, chapter six, verse six, it says that old self is crucified. You have to put it away all the time. In Ephesians, chapter four, verse 22, it says that you are to continue to put that off that old person. That the deceitful desires that are in you are no more. You are to desire what God desires for you, what his holiness is that you want that holiness to be operating in your life. And in fact, he's done something in you so that you wouldn't even be like that old person. Have you known people who have come to Christ and oh, they were awful. But then Christ got a hold of them, he changed their heart and he made them a new person. And now they're like a completely different person. You know what the reason is? Because they are a completely different person. That was their old self. My mom used to tell about me, you know, I came to the Lord when I was five years old. The Lord, it was just one of those ones where as a young age, the Lord just smacked me with the good news that he, he did something in my heart. And, you know, I wasn't at the age where I could really do a lot of introspection and and really know who I am and how my actions were. But my mom, she told me about what happened when I was young. She said, you know, Jason, when you when you were young. Before you were five years old, you were so angry all the time. And you would just lash out. And you were you're full of wrath, you know, almost like that list that we're going through. She's like, that was you. She says, she says, but when you came to know the Lord, there just became this peace about you. Now, I'm sure there's times when I spout off. I'm sure my kids could be like, um, there's still moments, dad. But I'm sure that's righteous anger, just like the Lord. Right. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Every father's like, yes, sir. Uh. But my mom said, when Jason, you were a young man, you lived in the deceitful desires of your flesh. You were living like your sinful self. But when you came to know Christ, something changed in you, even as a young man. There was a difference between the old Jason and the new Jason. I became new in Christ. That old self is to be no more. And so now I shouldn't take the bald tires of anger and wrath and lying to people. I shouldn't take those on and install them, reinstall them into my life. That old me is to continue to be dead and crucified with Christ. And I live now through him living in me in a way that's holy and acceptable to him. And it goes on here and it says, so we've put off the old self with its practices. And verse 10 says, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And here there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. So this takes place not just because somebody's black or white or somebody's male or female or somebody uh, knows English well or doesn't know English well. That's kind of what that list is saying. But if somebody comes to Christ, it's... It's the same for anybody who comes to Christ. That you have put off the old self, but now you have put on the new self. In the scripture it talks about at the very beginning there was an Adam. He and his wife sinned, and as a result, all of humanity were sinful. We bear the image of Adam. And so we sin and we sin and we sin. But when we came to Christ, we put off that old self. We put off that old flesh. And now we are put into Jesus, which the scriptures calls the second Adam. He is the actual image of God. And we are to be being made more like his image. And the way we get to know that, it says being renewed in the knowledge of the image. Of its creator. I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to draw or sketch or maybe I'll see a little something over here. My kids like to do this, too. They'll they'll see a cartoon and they'll they'll look at the cartoon and say, I want to I want to make a copy of that. So they'll take out their pencil and their paper and they'll they'll start drawing. Some people are really good at this. They can they can look at the original once and then they come over here and they can draw that thing. But for the majority of us, we come and we look at the original. And then we come and we. We kind of draw some lines, but then we come back to the original. And then we come back and we draw some more lines and we look at the original and we look at ours and say, oh, man, I messed up. <laughs> we take out our eraser and erase some things. But, but what happens is we are constantly looking at the original in order to create a copy of the image in the way it should be. And the scripture says the new you, the new self, is to be made like the image of Christ. So, what do we do? We look at Jesus. And then in Him, we look at ourselves and say, things need to change so I look more like Jesus in this area. And we look at Jesus again. And then we come and examine our heart and say, you know, this needs to look a little bit more like Jesus in this area. We look at Jesus again. And then we come back to ourselves and say, that right there needs to be erased. He says, we put off the old stuff. The old stuff is dead. We are to put it to death. But now we have this new self that needs to be created and be renewed now after the knowledge, the renewable knowledge of the image of Christ. So we look at him. That's why we come and read our Bibles. This isn't just an exercise we do on Sundays. We reread the Bibles, not because it's just the most interesting book in the world. It's because this scripture is showing us who Jesus is, and our life is to replicate Jesus now. We're to become like his image. We're to be sketched like him more and more. Verse 12 says this. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds to get everything together in perfect harmony. So the Lord's using some language right now. I talked about tires before taking them off, putting some on. The language that's being used here is kind of similar to that. It's talking actually more about clothes. You have taken off things which are dirty. This were filthy garments. In fact, in the Old Testament, when they had filthy garments, they'd take them off, they'd go burn them. Just be done with them. But then they'd be dressed new in white garments, priestly garments. And you, when you came to Christ, you take all that which was wretched and all that is sinful, all that's the fleshly, and it's dead. It's burned. It's crucified. But then it says... This is how you're supposed to dress from now on. Put on these things. Because you're chosen people of God, because you're the holy people of God, he's made you holy. You're to put on these things. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if somebody has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord's forgiven you, so you must also Forgive. Oh, 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 and here's one more. Put this on. Love. And it binds all these things that you've put on in perfect harmony. It's like the belt that keeps your pants on. (laughs) Because if you're not loving, you're not going to be able to have humility. If you're not loving, you're not going to be able to forgive. Put that on. Put that on. Put that on. Now, I know for me. I am really good at loving people that I like, right? Isn't that the way, you know, it's super easy for me to be forgiving to people when I know they're likable people, but that's not what this passage is saying. And in fact, when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, talked about things like anger and enemies and different things like that. He said, you know what? Even non-Christians, even non-believers, love people that love them back. They're kind to people who are kind to them. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take on whoever comes your way and whoever aggravates you, whoever gets under your skin, whoever's not like you, whoever's foreign to you, whoever you don't like, you Love them. You forgive them. You act kindly to them. You have patience with them. You're humble towards them, not thinking you're better than them. You're meek. You just have a gentleness that's that's strong with them. I'm asking you to do this among people that you don't like. And if you have any problem with that, Jesus says, remember, that's what I've done for you. Isn't that right? We were absolutely unholy. The scripture says we were hostile to God in heart, mind and soul. We wanted nothing to do with him. We just wanted to do our own ways. But when God looked at us, he said, there's a wretched group of people. Let me go love them. Let me go die for them. Let me go be their servant. Let me forgive them. And so he calls us into situations to do and express those exact same things to people who we don't want to necessarily do that to. But he asks us to do it. That must come from our new self. It can't come just by being Southern. Okay. Now, I know. I'm going to get hard on you just for a moment. This is an outsider looking in who's now an insider. (laughs) Somebody laughed. (laughs) You're not an insider yet, pal. Uh, We can still (laughs) ring you up and take you out. Um, I think you bank on Southern hospitality too much. And I know you could look right back at me and say, well, you're. A Seattle passive-aggressive jerk. Okay, we've all got that. But I'm just saying, it is easy for us to say, I'm Southern and I have hospitality, but I don't always see it. Yeah. On a Sunday afternoon one time, I may have shared this before, Katie's parents were in town, we went out to, to lunch. And the gal serving us, we were saying thank you, we were asking her about her day, this and that. And finally she came over to our table and she said this, You're not from around here, are you? (laughs) That was kind of telling. That was not Jason from Seattle. That was somebody who's in the community who has a situation where they say on Sunday afternoons, when everybody's coming from church, there is one group of people in this place that are being kind to me. There's only one table. You must not be from here. And that's the way it's supposed to be for all Christians. We are not supposed to be from here. We're not supposed to do the things the way the world does it. We are to be kind, loving, forgiving to people who may seemingly not deserve those things. You might say, but they're black. Well, I I like black people, Pastor then why do I, every time I hear somebody had a good plumbing job at their house, you have to tell me that the person's black? You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I know their past. And let's bring it right into this church. One of the hardest things, even for me to do, Is to recognize visitors. And to come up and express kindness to them. Even when they're the ones who probably need it the most that day. Why did they even come? They're searching, they're longing, they're begging. To find that here. To find it in Jesus. Now I want you to examine just for a moment where you're sitting. Who are you sitting next to? Everybody you like, probably, right? You're sitting there. uh, (laughs) Husbands and wives, you better be nodding. But you're in family clusters. You're in friend clusters. And and this is a lot of times truly how it goes. If a visitor comes into this church, first of all, having been a visitor, this is one thing that's very hard. It's very hard to find a seat in this place where it's acceptable for you to sit. When we came in as visitors... We sat in different places in this congregation and you'd sit someplace and you'd get the glare from whoever sat there. I'm not even black. I'm the pastor Well, that was my seat. I made that indent there. You got to be willing to show kindness to even share a seat. When the service is over, you can't say, it's embarrassing for me to go talk to that person, so I'm just going to turn to my friend group. It's hard for me to do it to you. You know what's harder? Is if we don't have people that I know, I know there's some of you who are great and gifted at going to welcoming visitors. And I, know, I don't think we have any visitors here today, so it's easier to say some of this stuff. But when they get up and they leave and not one person has has come up to them and said, hey, I'm just glad you're here. That's difficult. Now, I know not all visitors want to want to be talked to. Not every visitor who comes to Unity Church wants to stay around and suddenly know all the ins and the outs and uh, who's nice and who's not and what to and not to say to the pastor to make him mad. Um, you know, some of them want to leave right away and that's fine. But recognize what we do in this place, that that what God has called us to in the kindness and in the humility and the patience and the forgiving and the not lying and these types of things aren't just the people that we like. We are to go to the world. How can we go to the world when the world is coming to our pews and we're not even willing to turn to them in this place and to show them the essence of what it is to have all these things working in perfect harmony through love? I want a commitment from this church, myself included, my family, everybody here who no matter who comes to this doors, whether they smell, whether they wear funny looking clothing, whether they talk funny, which all of you already talk funny. But if they talk funny and come into this place, that we will have a commitment to say we are going to love them as Christ loves them. I'm assuming that by everybody who said amen, you agreed to do that. You have just signed up to be the welcoming committee, not to Unity Church. Our goal here is not to be getting more people to Unity Church. Our goal is to be a window that looks like Jesus. You know, the early church struggled with these things too. The Jews didn't want to let the Greeks. Just have it by faith. The widows, they needed help. This has been ever going that the Lord would say to the church, be done with those old ways. Look how I've loved you when you weren't lovable. When you were weird and foreign, look how I did that for you now. I'm asking you to do that for others. Do it to one another. But be careful of getting so wrapped up in the closeness of your relationships, even in this room. That you wouldn't go to somebody who's desperate, but yet they're different from you. I have a friend who's back in Seattle last year. Every morning before school at the bus stop, it would be him and two other dads with their kids waiting for the bus. One of the guys who was there was a man from Iran. Uh, whose parents had come over and, and they were Muslim. And now this guy was here. Um, he wasn't a practicing Muslim, but he was there every day sending his kids off on the bus uh, with with my friend. And so um, they struck up a relationship and it, it came to summertime. And and one thing this guy always appreciated about my friend who is a believer um, who helped at the church in Seattle is is uh, my friend. He 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 just he'll tell it to you straight. He's just he's not going to play games with you. And so this, this Iranian man really learned to, to trust my friend. And at the end of the year, when, when, when school was going to be done, there wasn't going to be the bus stop anymore. Uh, he said, hey, we should get together during the summer. My friend said, sure. So they got together the first time. Nothing came up about the Lord, but they, they were hanging out and chatting. The next time came up, my friend got together with the Iranian man. The Lord didn't come up. you know, It just wasn't the moment. The third time came. And some subject matter came up and the Iranian man asked my friend about it. And my friend gave him his. Jesus answer. And the Iranian man said this, well, this is this is what I know about you. You're just going to shoot straight. Because I know that you must be religious or something. And my friend said, hey. To me, it's not about religion. This is all about a relationship with Jesus. Look what he's done with me. And suddenly, boom, a guy that my friend, you know, in a whole lot of different ways could have said, I'm not like him. I don't like his ways. I haven't liked his past. (sighs) Suddenly the door opened for Jesus to express his love, compassion, kindness, all these things right to this man. I want that for you. And I want that for us. That we would be those opportunities when we would sit with somebody and finally say. It doesn't look like you're deserving, but neither was I. Let me tell you about the grace of Jesus Christ. Let the Lord show you what it is to have compassion. Put off that old self and put on the new self. And let's be like Jesus. Let's be renewed in the knowledge. of The image of our Creator. This morning, if in you there's maybe been something that has been, you've said, "Oh, this," I recognize that I'm, I'm in sin here. Then, then please come and put that before the Lord. We're gonna, we're gonna close now with an opportunity to pray. If you'd like to come up and pray in the front, that's fine. If you want to pray where you at, that's fine. But I just want to take a few minutes of, 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 of silence here and and the music playing a little bit just for you to come and. And put your life before the Lord and say, Lord, this is an old part of myself that's just not put off. Have him take those bald tires off. And if you recognize there's part of the new self that needs to be a component of your life that's not being seen or maybe isn't full enough. Or maybe you've recognized that even here at church, you haven't expressed love, whether to a visitor or somebody who's here. Maybe there's a, an issue with you and somebody else in this church, and that's why you're sitting all the way across the sanctuary from them. Then go to them. But come right now to your Lord and say, Lord, I need your help in my life in this area. Would you come and be my king? If you have any other burdens on your heart, you're welcome to bring those to the Lord too. But let's go to the Lord in prayer.